If you were here last week, uh, I, I've really got, uh, the Lord is really stirring in my heart, so I just, um, I just ask the Lord right now just that, that that word would just come out and that I would not uh, mess it up. Anybody here ever mess something up? The recipe's perfect, but you did something wrong. If I told you all the story about me trying to make biscuits and I used, instead of self-rising flour, I used all-purpose flour and couldn't understand why they didn't look right. And I'm like, something's wrong with the recipe. And the recipe's like, "Uh, no, this has been tried and true for years and years and years. That's what the recipe said to me. I said, look again, and I just missed something. But the Lord is really stirring in my heart about church. Um, you know, it's summertime, people kind of get a little bit lax with, with getting up and coming into church, and, you know, you can see some gaps here at Church on the Hill, and you know what, it, it happens, but I believe that, I believe that I personally um, have, have missed, missed a point, missed, missed, uh, missed a part. Um, anybody here ever gone through your marriage and didn't realize something that you should have been doing all along? You just didn't know it. I just didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the experience. I didn't have necessarily the people around me to tell me. However, so many times I do have the right people around me telling me and I'm not hearing. Anybody ever done that? People are trying to tell you. We had my father-in-law tried to tell us about Dave Ramsey when we first got married, but we weren't listening. Didn't care. We had money. I don't need Dave Ramsey. I got money. And uh, then reality hit. So, if you'll just kind of go with me here over the next few weeks, I really feel like that the Lord is giving me um, vision and direction for, for the individual as well as the individual in the church. So I want to encourage you, um, commit, commit for the next few weeks. And don't just take my word for it. Take it home. Take this word home. The intention I'm feeling like of church is for us to come in here and to get the hope, the word that we need. Next week, we're going to see that when we get the word, we get grace and truth. When we get the word, we get grace and truth. And that is to help us with where we are, but also to go and give it to someone else. I get something in here that helps me. We sang this morning the second song we sang, and it was a relatively new song, but the, when it hit the bridge, it finally hit my spirit. It's like, a uh, new song, new song, okay. Oh, there it is, the word that's being spoken into my heart. I get it. You're right. God, you're so good. And all of a sudden, I'm not worried about the style and the stuff. I'm getting the word in me. And then when I get that, I take it. I apply it to my life, I get the reward of that word in my life, but now I can now show you, I can go sit down with someone and offer that word to someone else. That's the intention of church, is to come in here to get help, to get support, to connect to a family, and to learn how to serve within this family, get the rewards of that serving Christ within the body of Christ, but then going out from here and reaching the world. Giving them hope. So today, I'm, it's my desire to start to kind of force out this word that's in my heart about church. Last week, we talked about our short time on earth. Do you remember eternity? We got an image of eternity in our small little mark. 
and how important our part is on this mark. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish on that little mark of eternity, of our life, of our 70 plus years, but have eternal life. God loves you. And your time here on earth is significant. If all he did was just want to save you so you could go to heaven, he would have just ended us the day we got saved. But he didn't. He left us here to make a mark on the earth, to to bring his kingdom with us, to, to bring his people into his kingdom with us. Are you with me? But I'm convinced that the church's impact, Church on the Hill's influence in this community is not going to be determined by the pastor. I do have a part to play. It's not going to be determined by the size of the building or of the programs that we're doing. It's going to be, I believe it's going to be determined by the amount of participation of the body. How much we as a family, we are a church intended to be a body, a family that works together. That's the purpose of church. We have individual purpose, but we have purpose as a church. And that is to do things together. God already told us, we saw last week, that he does not want anyone to perish. And he will not feel satisfied until everyone in our community knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But if we opt out of that plan to be a part of that, I want you to know God's will will be done. It just may be done through someone else. Did you hear me? God's will will be done. But sometimes we can opt out. A great example is in the book of Esther. And we read about how this newly appointed queen, Jewish queen, and they didn't know she was a Jew. She snuck in there as this Jewish queen that faced possible annihilation of her people. Mordecai, her close relative, alerts her to this genocidal plot that had been hatched by one of the leaders, by one of the king's leaders. Let's just dive in right here. Esther chapter 4. Mordecai says to Esther, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place and you and your father's house will perish. And you and who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. Do you remember last week we talked about the significance of the time that you've been born? You could have been born at any time. You could have been born in any city. You could have been born in any town. You could have been born in any nation at any time on this uh, time continuum. Uh, uh, again, looking at eternity at any time from when the earth started until now. But God appointed you for this time, for a purpose, for a reason. You are here for a reason. But we could see if you go and read the story of Esther that Esther kind of hesitated. She's like, oh, why me? And you know the rules of me going in front of the king, they're pretty stringent. If I get it wrong, I'm going to die. And Mordecai's like, yes, but your nation's going to die. Your nation's going to die. Can I encourage you? Your nation, your circle of influence is being threatened with death. And you have been placed in there for such a time as this right now. Right now is always the right time. Right now. There's a quote, and I can't remember what it is, but there's a good quote about right now. It's always good to to do it right now. 
But the significance of the scripture is, is that deliverance will take place. Will it be Esther or will it not? So I want to ask you, what role will you choose to play in God's deliverance? Is it a natural role? Is it, um, is it a small part? Is it a major one? With Esther here, God left it up to her. She could choose what role she took. But his plan would come to pass with or without her involvement. In a similar way, God has placed us in our community where you and I live and minister today. The only question is, what role will you play? People will be redeemed. Lives will be transformed. Hopeless marriages will be restored. Lives without correction will be corrected. Yet the question remains, what part will you play? Will it be a major role? I believe that if you desire a major role, God will meet you there. On the other hand, if we remain silent, just like this scripture, help and deliverance will arise from another place. God's that good. God loves me so much that if one person drops the ball, he'll make sure someone else picks it up to reach me. He loves me that much. And he loves you that much. But the amount of influence that we have on our generation is up to us. We have one life to live for Christ. And this is not practice. This is real life. And we have got to seize this opportunity. We've got to come in here as a church body, recognize what our call is as a church, recognize what our call is individually, and get to work. Do you hear me, church? I have a call individually and as a church member. I have both. God has designed his ministry to be fulfilled, but he leaves the individual roles to us. To our choosing. I want us to begin to grasp this concept of church as a family. We are a family. We are a body supposed to begin to fit together in a way that we all work in concert, in unison with each other. Um, I'm probably going to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to do it anyway. Here, uh, Bill, unmute the piano. I promise you this will be 10 seconds. Y'all can count. I'm not going to kill y'all. Okay, y'all ready? We've come to praise him. Okay, y'all know that? All you old school people that have been around, y'all know that song. Doesn't that just kind of get you going? Do you know what it took to do that? It took practice. But it took my brain, it took my hands, it took my wrists, it took my arms, it took my core, it took my whole body. I had my foot on a pedal, it took my nerves, it took my emotions, it took my heart. I didn't, I literally sat there and thought, oh, this is going to be a disaster, but no. Let's go do it. But in order for my body to go and do that, it took almost my entire body. That's church. For us to do some of the most simplistic things, it takes the whole body. 
If I was missing a finger, one finger, I could not do what I just did. Every one of my fingers on that song was being used. Not every one of them. Almost all of them. i got to think about it. I don't want to lie to you. But he has made us a family. These single principles are so important. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 says that God has gifted us and equipped us for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What's so amazing is that when the whole body works together, the whole body is edified. Somewhere along the line, we forgot who God created us to be. So instead of fulfilling our own calling, now this is going to be, you guys don't run out screaming Godzilla or anything. Just hang in there with me. For some reason, the church, today's church, has missed this mark. And instead of fulfilling our own calling, we hire others to do it. We interview potential substitutes. If they can preach and do the business of the church, we give them a job so that we can step out of the way for a few years. Doing church as a family is merely returning to the way God designed us to function. Ministry of the church is not the responsibility of a few professionals. It is the responsibility, it is the divine responsibility of every one of us. Listen to me, church. Every person is a minister. Every person. Every person is a minister. That's what God says. In fact, he calls us to be full-time ministers. Full-time? Yes. Not just on Sundays. Not just at Bible studies, but full-time. How many of us love God full-time? How many of us just want to go to heaven part-time? We are full-time citizens of heaven with a commission and an assignment to go and accomplish what God has called us to do while we are here for these few years on this planet. Before you are a businessman, you are a full-time minister of Christ. Before you are a homemaker, you are a minister. Before you are a student, a grandparent, a CEO, you are first a minister, a servant of God's purpose on this brief stay that you have here on earth. You may say, yeah, whoa, 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 I don't get paid by the church. I work for the state or the police department or I'm a teacher or I work at a construction company or I work at a manufacturing place. My Employee, employer pays me, not my church. How can you say I'm a full-time minister? I want you to try to grasp this statement. Sometimes we, we mistake the channel. Sometimes we mistake the channel of our provision for the source of our provision. Sometimes we mistake the channel of our provision for the source of our provision. Now, has anybody ever heard you say, anybody ever heard it said that God is your provider, not your employer? You know, that's all well and good, but my paycheck still has my business. You know, wherever I'm working, it has their name, it has the owner's signature on it, right? So we kind of struggle to know what is our provider. Well, I want to battle that just a little bit for you. 
Because if you trace the background of your paycheck to its true source, yes, it's going to start you on this path at your employment, the place that you're employed, but it doesn't stop there. If you keep following it, I believe that you can trace it all the way back to the throne of God. How you wound up there, the circumstances, the timing, the favor, the way you got in, the ability that you have to be able to do that job. It's like tracing stereo wires to the true source of music. If you go to that speaker, if we go up here to these speakers, yeah, we can hear the tunes going, but if it gets disconnected from the source, I don't care how great and how expensive they are, you're not getting anything out of them. So sometimes we miss the channel of provision for the source of provision. And I want to kind of show you something here. It, it, says that, it says in Scripture, if you didn't know this, that God is our provider, that one of his names is, I am the Lord your provider. It uses the word Jehovah, Jehovah, I can go, I can go completely brain dead, just, it just takes me a second. Jehovah Jireh, y'all hear me say it every week, I'm telling you, I just, I, I don't know what goes on in my brain and stuff. Jehovah Jireh, I am the Lord your provider. Do you know when, that, when he gave that name? He had called um, Abraham to go and sacrifice his one and only son, his, his son of promise, the promised son, Isaac. And he was taking, an, taking him up there to go and to do what God said to do, to take his son's life. And when he reared back, ready to slay his son, God stopped him. And there was a, uh, an animal, a... Uh, a goat? What was it? A ram, thank you. I'm telling you, I'm, it's okay. <laughs> a ram. But I believe that the provision started up the mountain the second Abraham started up the mountain. It was just on the other side. He couldn't see it. But God provides. God provides. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. He gives you. He positions you. He gives you favor. We're going to see next week how awesome God's favor is. So why is it, why is it that God relays our paychecks through our jobs, our companies, our places of employment? Why is it that instead, why don't I just get a paycheck from heaven that just says, uh, you know, the return address is heaven and the signature is God? Why does he go through our places of, of employment? Well, let me ask you this. I want you to think for just a minute. How do you think the best way to reach teachers are? I think it's through other teachers. You know what God does? God takes a, a teacher that's, that has come and, and given their heart to the Lord, come into the church, come into the family of God, come into the kingdom of God, place this passion for his heart. He's working through them through his spirit and through his word, and he disguises them as a teacher. You know, the state's trying to keep religion out. Well, that's okay. God's been up to this a long time. All right, I'm going to disguise my people as a teacher, and I'm going to put them in, and they can't keep them out. They've got to have teachers. They could stop having teachers and shut down the school, but they're not going to do that. So what they do is they, God disguises this, 
this teacher to go in and to infect his people. Because teachers can be reached by teachers. They have those moments. They have those circle of influences. They have those things in common. They're going through the same things. Next thing you know, we have this platform to be able to share the gospel. He takes full-time ministers and disguises them. He gives us gifts and passions on a teacher standpoint to be the best teacher we can be. And then we get put into the school system where we can reach other educators with God's love. God's full-time ministers are everywhere. We are all ambassadors. We are all ministers. Each one of us, not just pastors and evangelists, we are all called to represent him in the world. I want you to look at this. uh, I think we read it last week, Acts chapter 17. He has determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find them. There are people around you that even though they say they're atheists and that they hate God and that maybe they're Muslims or who knows what direction they are, but he has put people around them so that when they reach out, you're there. People are hurting. People are responding. People are needing help. And when they ask for help, you give them God. Now, maybe it's through your actions. Maybe it's through you walking with them through something. Maybe it's just giving them godly wisdom. And you just keep planting and planting and planting until finally they say, I give up. I want what you've got. God put you where you are. But what good is salt if it doesn't go where it's supposed to go? What help is it if it doesn't do what it was designed to do? You know, salt in your gas tank doesn't do a lot of good. And a cup of salt in a gallon of seawater doesn't make a big impact either. Salt works to our advantage only when it goes where it should and when it is designed to do. And if it doesn't, God, Jesus has a word about that. Matthew 15. You say, I, say, I am the salt of the earth. Jesus is saying to you, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It's good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. My my brain is just exploding right here for just a second because I'm starting to see how important it is that when we share the gospel, we share it in a salty way. You know, what tastes good 50 years ago doesn't taste good today. You know, you may say, I can't believe we're still doing all these new songs. What's happened to the hymns? You know, what's going on? Let me ask you this. Let's back way up. Who here likes air conditioning? That is no more new technology than doing a new song. It's just better. It's just different. It's just moved. This target is moving. And God say, my word's good, but you must remain salty. My word's good, but you must be salty when you deliver it. How many of you have ever had somebody get on to you with God's word and it wasn't salty? It made you want to punch them in the face. 
that's not salty. Anybody here had a McDonald's fries? They're salty. Oh, my goodness. You remove the salt? I don't believe there's any taste. I think that's kind of dull. I need the salt. Doing church together as a family isn't one person doing a hundred things. It's a hundred people doing one thing. You know, my son, he's gone off to camp, so I'm going to talk about him for just a minute. I don't think he realized what we were doing when we bought him a truck. He came home from camp yesterday exhausted. Him and my daughter, I mean, they both wound up passing out on the couch, sleeping, then slept all day. I mean, they're just wore out. But I said, before you go to sleep, I got some stuff we need to do. And you could just see their countenance just drop like, why did we come home? We should have just stayed at camp. But I said, Pete, you got a truck, and we need to, we need to move some furniture. We need to do some stuff. What I want to encourage you with is you all have a truck. You all have an ability to help someone that can't help themselves. I literally could not move what needed to be moved without his help. I, had, I not only had to have his truck, but I had to have him. I just couldn't do it. And there, are, there is a place here at Church on the Hill that it just cannot be done without you. Yes, God will move someone else in if you choose not to do it, but you're the one that's going to miss that blessing. And what was so funny is we had a lot to move and my whole family engaged, even the uh, boyfriend. And by the way, he has a truck. <laughs> One of our girlfriends or boyfriends said, I've never seen a family that moved so many things. I'm like, huh? Yeah, Pete's girlfriend said that. Um, we do, we move junk from one spot to the next. Uh, Literally. And we moved the four beds upstairs to realize they wouldn't fit and got to move them all back down. That's, that's so fun, doing family. Doing church together. Let me give you an example, and, and I'm going to close with this one. At the completion of her Gulf tour, the Reuben James, which is a naval ship, docked in Pearl Harbor. And I read of a pastor who got invited to go and be a part, to, to go on a, a short voyage with that, uh, on that ship. And here they go. They push away from the uh, uh, dock and go out into the ocean. And it is a crew of 800. And something that this pastor noticed was that every person on the ship had a job. They weren't trying to do each other's job. They weren't sitting around and lounging. They were all moving in unison, in perfect harmony. The only person that didn't know where to be was him because he was a guest. And they shot a couple rounds off from, uh, from their guns, and it was just an awesome thing to watch. Well, then I reflect to mine and Elizabeth's time. Has anybody here ever been on a cruise? You know what that looks like? Thousands of people on the beach deck laying back, drinking, and eating. I mean, what do you do on a cruise? You eat. 24-7, you eat. And a handful of people scurrying around trying to take care of those thousands of people. 
killing themselves. Our poor um, uh, maid service that was down in the ship just killed themselves for nothing. You could see it in their eyes. They were completely wore out. That naval ship, that's the idea. Everybody doing a part to where no one person is overwhelmed with any one job, ever. It is the most amazing thing. And, and I can get so excited to be able to see God using your gift here. You have a gift. You have a part. You have a, God has a plan for you here. He also has a plan for you to go from here, out of here, and in fact, change your circle of influence. Change our nation. Change our city. Equipping others. Uh, learning how to be equipped and equipping others is not an end in itself. It is a means. And we are to learn to serve together and to work together. And you know what? This is how churches grow. When our people consistently get mended, healed up, and healthy, and equipped by the Word of God so that you, the body, does the ministry, the church has become vibrant and healthy. Anybody here ever heard the 80-20 rule? 80% of the work's done by 20% of the people. Well, I think that's wrong. I think it's way less than that. I think 90% of the work's being done by 10% of the people. And there's no reason for that. Each of us have got to take responsibility to exercise our gifts. And each of us discovers, as we discover and begin to use our gift, you know what? God is honored and the body of Christ is built up. We begin to get fired up and start making impact on our city. Let me tell you, we will not look the same. If we will gather together, it says that one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. We are so much more powerful with you. We are so much more powerful with you. So I want to encourage you over the next few weeks. Now, this is, this is the only one where I'm just trying to say, hey, get on board, grab an oar, let's get to rowing together. But we're going we're gonna to start looking in God's word of God's desire for church and God's desire for you. I need purpose. I do not like to do an activity when I don't know what the purpose is. I get frustrated, I get confused, and I want to run and go do something else. I feel ineffective and I feel useless. I want to know purpose. And I don't want to ask you to lock arms with us at Church on the Hill without understanding the vision and the purpose. God has got a great plan for you and for this church. And it's time for this ship to turn. It's time for our city to turn. It's time. So I just want to ask you, will you get on board? We're going to do it. Amen. You guys stand up with me. I want to pray over you. Well, Father, I just thank you that you love us just how we are. I don't have to change. You love me just how I am. But, Lord, you are calling us to change and to grow and to be transformed, to not stay where we are, to not stay in the hole that we've dug, but by your word and by your spirit and by your body to be lifted out, to be set on a path and a pathway of hope, a pathway of blessing, 
a pathway of victory. And Lord, part of that pathway that you've placed us on includes church, includes your body, the body of Christ. Lord, I just ask that we would start to pray and to seek your word to find where our place is, what's our part, and to start moving. Your word says that you order the steps of the righteous man, but Lord, it doesn't say you take them. We have to take a step. And when we take a step, you move and order those steps. But we have to walk. Your word says to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Work out. Sounds like an exercise program. Thank you, Lord. We are to exercise. We are to work together. Lord, I just pray for Church on the Hill. I just pray for this body. I pray for jobs. I pray for breakthrough. I pray for favor. I pray for health. I pray that as we begin to lock arms together according to your word and your spirit, that your promises and your favor just pour over us. And that, Lord, the things that we have not been able to do on our own, that you do supernaturally. And that you bless us. You bless our families. You bless our children. You bless this church's finances and pay for this building that we've built. I just thank you, Lord, that you, you let us here. You're not going to lead us somewhere and just abandon us. You're not an abandoner. You're faithful, and you never leave. We just praise you. Now, Lord, help us as a body even right now to turn and just to be concerned about one another, to love on each other, and to not just come and just sit in a pew, but to connect. Lord, let us really build family right here and invite lost, hurting, broken people to this family. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You guys have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night, 630.